Reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, and it's chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 46. That's on page 1026 in the Church Bibles, and it's Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and it's headed up Mary's Song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, All generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, Forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray for John, shall we? Father, we pray you'd bless John as he speaks, that we'd be blessed as we hear, and that we would listen with attentive ears and attentive hearts, ready to do your will, in your name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Just before I start, I should point out that there's um, there's a little typo on the, the, the news sheet. I'm not speaking next week as well. You'll be glad to hear. Um, You'll be pleased to hear that John Tiller will be taking a service. We're speaking at the service next week. It's an easy mistake for Sarah to make. There are so many Johns in this church. Um, More more Johns than you can shake a stick at. Um, But I think on behalf of all Johns, I'd like to ask that please do not shake sticks at us. Those of you who are long-standing Anglicans, and I understand there are at least half a dozen of you here in in Christchurch, you will know this passage very well. Uh, It's an integral part of Evensong, and is commonly referred to as the Magnificat. And I actually love the the heading that's given in the NIV, which Margaret said, uh, Mary's Song. A great song of praise uttered by Mary as she visits her uh, um, kinswoman, Elizabeth. Both women, 
pregnant in uh, miraculous ways. Uh, Elizabeth was old and childless when God intervened and blessed her and her husband with uh, a boy who would uh, become John the Baptist. And then Mary, of course, was visited by an angel and told that she was to be the mother of Jesus. And the two mothers-to-be, they met with great excitement, both somehow seeming to understand that their son's lives were to be closely linked and that both their sons were to play a special part in God's plan. And as they meet, Mary pours out to Elizabeth these wonderful wonderful words. It's been suggested that perhaps as she journeyed into the, into the country to see Elizabeth, that she was reflecting on all that God had done in her life. And when she got to Elizabeth, it all just poured out of her in a great song of praise. However it came about, Mary's song is remarkable. And, and there's just too much here for us really this morning. So I'm going to try and pick out just a few important themes to reflect on for the coming week. Mary is rejoicing. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Actually, there is a subtle change of tense here. Glorifies, my soul glorifies the Lord, is about the ongoing praise which her heart was continually pouring out to God. But rejoices... Uh, more properly, was has rejoiced. Those of you who are used to even song, my, my spirit hath rejoiced. And the, the tense there is, it's, it's about a specific time in the past when she celebrated what God had done. And clearly referring to the visit of the angel to tell her that she was to bear this special child. I don't know about you, but I always find this quite incredible when I'm reminded of it every Christmas. Just think about it. An angel visits and tells you, you're going to become pregnant even though you are very young and a virgin. I would not necessarily receive this as good news if an angel brought that message to me. Now some of you, because I realize that um, I am wrong in so many ways for the angel to bring that message to me. But put yourself in Mary's position. She was to become an unmarried mother with all the disgrace, the harsh and hurtful gossip which went with it in, that, in those days. What would, what would be the response of Joseph, her betrothed? What would be the response of the family and friends? What would happen to her? This, this was not necessarily good news. And yet, Mary's response is a remarkable remarkable expression of of humility and submission to God's will. Just look back at those verses. What does she say? I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Extraordinary words. Effectively saying, if this is God's will... That's fine by me. And she goes on to rejoice and declare how blessed she is to be chosen by God, despite all the potential hardships that that would involve. 
And he might say, well, yeah, of course, if you've been spoken to by, by God and called, you, you're going to do that, aren't you? But let me just remind you of some people who received a special call from God. Jonah was called by God very specially to go to Nineveh. And what did he do? He tried to run away. And he got himself in a whale of a mess. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. So forget that. Yeah. Moses was called by God to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. We think of Moses as this great character, such a solid guy in God. But when God called him, you read it, he put up all sorts of excuses. And in the end, he said to God, please send someone else. Not everybody who receives a call from God responds as Mary did, but she responded with this great humility uh, and a submission to God's will. I want to suggest to you that it's all too easy when God leads you on a difficult journey in life, when things are not as you want them to be or plan them to be, when disappointment comes, to perhaps wonder, why me, God? Why, why would you put me through this? I can remember uh, preparing for a, a much-needed holiday. And a couple of days before, Carolyn went down with pneumonia and it had to be cancelled, and there's huge disappointment there. That's comparatively trivial, but we face deeper disappointments in life, don't we? We can remember the day when we were told that we were not able to have children. Something that's affected the rest of our lives. And the response can easily be, why me, God? Why are you doing this to me? When life seems cruel, when our heart's desires are crushed, do we say, why me? Or do we say with Mary, let it be to me as you have said. I don't understand it, Lord, but it's not what I would have chosen. But if this is the path you want me to tread, I know that you are always working for my highest good and you will walk that path with me. Mary viewed this quite rightly as a huge honor and blessing from God, which of course, we recognize now that it was, but at the time, she could have viewed it more as a curse or a punishment. And Mary's response reflects not only her submission to God's will, but also great humility. She was aware that in the world's eye, she was very ordinary, a bit of a nobody, not highly regarded of low estate. But despite that, she had been chosen by God for this great task. That didn't make her proud or arrogant. Look at me. I'm the one God's chosen. That wasn't it at all. Rather, she acknowledged she was not worthy of such honor. She speaks of God, her Savior. A tacit acknowledgement that she needed saving, that she was a sinner. John Piper comments on this. It's interesting. He says, the, the only people whose soul can truly magnify the Lord 
are those who acknowledge their lowly estate and are overwhelmed by the condescension of the magnificent God. Now, I need to clarify that because you think a condescension is looking down your nose at people. But actually, the condescension of God is understood as being the voluntary descent from rank and dignity, submission to inferiors in granting requests or performing acts which are strictly which strictly justice does not require. So what, what Piper is saying here is this mighty, holy, majestic, omnipotent God submitted himself to become man. And Mary had an insight into this and she understood that this was a, a, an amazing event and that she was totally unworthy of being used by God in this context. And that led her to magnify the Lord and rejoice in what he was doing. So let me ask, does your soul magnify the Lord? Does does your spirit rejoice because of God's blessing? It's easy if we're not careful to take God's blessing for granted or Sometimes even perhaps to receive God's blessing as a right. I've earned this. I've been good. I've done the right thing. I've read my Bible. I've said my prayers. I come to church. I give to the poor. I help out people. I've, I've earned this. It may not be something that you verbalize, but that can be a thought that somewhere deep in your subconscious, you feel that you've earned God's praise. But of course, the truth is that all we receive from God comes as a gift from him. We don't deserve anything. We haven't earned anything. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When we were younger, we used to help out uh, at a youth camp in uh, Greatwood in the Quantock Forest. I don't know if any of you have been there, Script Union site. So lovely. It's a clearing in the Quantock Forest and they've got cabins where the kids sleep and that. And we were there, um, we were, the, the leaders were up in the mess hunt at the end of the day, relaxing, and uh, there's a little knock at the door. And uh, there's a girl there, and she said, please, there's, there's somebody crying in our cabin. And the leader, Harold Robertson, went down to find out what was going on. And this girl was sat on her bunk and sobbing her heart out. And he said, whatever's the matter? And she said, Mr. Robertson, However could God love anyone as silly as me? It's a profound truth from a young girl. A simple acknowledgement of God's great love and our unworthiness to receive anything from him. How we need to be like her. How could he love someone like me with all my faults and failings? I don't deserve it in any way. And that's the humility which Mary demonstrates. And 
That is the attitude from which true praise flows. There's a lot to reflect on there, on on the example of Mary, her submission to God's will, whatever it may cost and wherever it may lead. Her humility, the wonder of God's amazing grace and love that he should choose to bless her in that way. But there's another question to ask. Why? Why did she submit herself to God's will so readily? And the answer lies in the remaining verses of her song, where she tells us all about this God that she is so happy to be obedient to. And if you read through those verses, you will find out, you you will see all sorts of aspects of God that Mary knew about. She says that he is holy. When it says there, his name is holy. In those times, the name stood for the whole person. When she says his name is holy, she meant God is holy in everything he does, in his whole character and personality, in every act that he does. She says he's, he's holy. She says he's, he's merciful. She says he's powerful. She says, unlike the world which gives kudos and adoration to the rich and famous and powerful, God has no time for those people. He's concerned for the hungry and the poor and the oppressed. Again, John Piper comments, he said, God is not partial to the rich, the powerful, or the proud. How could God be partial to the things which in our world are more often than not substitutes for God rather than pointers to God? Vast numbers of people have perished because they were enamored by pride, power, and wealth. God has no time for those things. God's heart is for the oppressed, the hungry, and the humble. This was the God that Mary knew. And he was a God who was not only holy and full of mercy and power beyond description, he was faithful and he kept his promises. This was a God that Mary knew she could trust. And as we look out on this broken world and we journey through life with its highs and lows and its joys and sorrows, it's important that we approach all these experiences standing on the sure foundation of our trustworthy God. Take, for example, Abraham. Abraham was instructed by God, as most of you know, to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Abraham didn't understand why God would ask such a thing. It was a terrifying command. Why would God ask this of him? But Abraham knew God. And he knew that he could trust God even when he couldn't understand it because God always knew best. However tough it gets, we can know that he is there for us And whatever way he takes us, it will be best for us. And he will be there with us through that walk. Reminded of the verses in Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 
They're lovely verses. I, I always, I'm always reminded of, of um, Stanley Holloway's monologue, the, the Runcorn Ferry. Do any of you know that? Um, Stanley Holloway is mostly known for the Lion and Albert, but it, it's the same family, Mr. and Mrs. Ramsbottom and their little son, Albert, and they want to cross the river. And uh, they, uh, Dad doesn't want to pay the full price. And he haggles with the ferryman. And the ferryman's not having any of it, no discounts. And, and they, they fall out. And in the end, the ferryman says, well, you know, your, your other option, of course, is to walk across. And Dad says, well, well, well we will. And, and so they set out. And, and it says, the further they paddled, the deeper it got. But they wouldn't give up once begun. In the spirit that's made Lancashire what it is, they'd sooner be drowned than done. Very soon, the old people were up to their necks and the little lad clean out of sight. Said father, where's Albert? And mother replied, I've got old his hand, he's all right. (laughs) However difficult things become, God says... I've got to hold your hand. You're all right. What we know of God through our reading of the Bible, and if you don't read it, can I just nag you? If you don't read it regularly, you really should. Because that's where we find out about this God. What we, what we learn of God through our Bible, through our experiences of the past, God, the ways in which God's taken us and blessed us in the past and provided for us. When we hear about the testimony of others of how God's helped and blessed them, all these things help us to know God and to understand absolutely that he knows best. And what we learn in the light can help us to trust him in the dark. Those times when we can't work out what on earth he's doing, when the pain is hard to bear, when the future seems bleak or uncertain. They're all easier to bear if we know that we have a God that we can trust absolutely. My dad went to church every Sunday. He never talked about his faith. After he, he died, mum told me that um, all through their marriage, every night he'd said his prayers before they went to sleep. I never knew that. But uh, I had a brother-in-law, Duncan, who died very young. He was a lovely guy. He really was. And dad really struggled with that. And uh, mum told me that that was the, uh, there's a period then that was the only time that God, uh, that dad never prayed in the evening before he went to sleep. And a few years later, they had one of uh, those services. They have a little, little Methodist chapels down in Devon every so often. They had a songs of praise and people uh, choose their favorite hymn, but they have to say why they're choosing it. And dad stood up. He was just, just a beginning of Parkinson's at that stage. And, and dad stood up and he told people how he had been angry at God for taking Duncan. And he said, why take Duncan when, he, to use his words, all these yobs and louts are left behind? 
Why take Duncan? And then he, he brought his hymn. And typical dad, he'd, he'd reached into the dark and dusty corners of the Methodist hymn book to a hymn that's not very well known. Who fathoms the eternal thought? Who talks of scheme and plan? The Lord is God. He needeth not the poor device of man. Here in the maddening maze of things, when tossed by storm and flood, to one fixed ground my spirit clings, I know that God is good. I know not what the future hath of marvel or surprise, assured alone that life and death his mercy underlies. And if my heart and flesh are weak, to bear an untried pain, the bruised reed he will not break, but strengthen and sustain. I wish I'd been there. But Dad had discovered what Mary knew. God's way is best. He is trustworthy in all things. So as we approach the time when we celebrate this momentous event, the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, I wonder what God's been saying to you this morning. I believe that if we come wanting to hear God, that he will speak into our hearts. It probably isn't anything that I've said because God, you know, he does his own thing, which is fine by me. But maybe he's been speaking to you something about Submission to God's will or humility, receiving God's grace. It's been a call to obedience in some tough situation that you're facing. Has he been speaking words of encouragement to you as you go through tough times? Has he been reminding you that whatever you have, however you've been blessed, it comes simply by his extravagant grace? What's he been saying? Whatever it is, don't let that word slip away. As you go out for coffee or you get into the rush of Christmas, if God's spoken into your heart, please don't let that slip away. And here's just a little idea that perhaps over these next few days, as we approach Christmas and the new year, why not commit to read these verses, the Magnifica? Read these verses every day. And let the Spirit remind you of what he's spoken into your heart through these wonderful words this morning. And then perhaps you can join Mary in declaring, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior.